I was supposed to go to, to room like four, but I'm, I was just stuck there. So I thought the elevator was going to go um, up and on. But uh, my guest today, he saved me. He saved my life. Uh, today's guest I have is Rafa Gardinas. And but we all know him as like Raphael, but we you know everyone knows him from the disc golf Renee and everyone as Rafa. What's up, man? Hey, good <laughs> to be here. I, I was nervous. <laughs> I was really nervous. You thought you were gonna get stuck in that elevator forever? Huh? Oh, just going up and down. <laughs> well, I mean, I asked I asked someone, can you press it? Oh, I can't do that. No, everybody has access only to their own floor. Oh. Yeah, so it's very security um, type here. Oh. Yeah, I can tell. I never. That was the first time ever I seen uh, the scan. T- if you're gonna go to what room number? I didn't. Yeah, I, that was the first you need time. To get out your house more, bro. <laughs> yeah, I need to get out of Long Beach more, man. I know. But uh, hey, man, thanks, uh, thanks uh, for uh, doing the Mega Man's podcast. I really, really appreciate I'm excited. it. Excited. I've been hearing about you forever since. Um, yeah, just for a long time, you know. Yeah. You're in, you're in the scene, rocking with all these comedians and um famous people so it's good to be on yeah the, the i met you the first time i met you uh was when uh martin and had that disc golf it was a lot i brought my okay. two boys it was way out there i think it was a, was it la canada la, la canada or that little la, that, la canada it was like yeah. some park over there and that was my first time doing a uh, disc golf i was like what is this <laughs> it was like oh i thought we're gonna go golfing because i never went golfing no this is disc golf with the frisbee Oh my gosh, that that uh, that park was a mission. You're yeah. going through all these bushes and this and. So I tell people like disc golf is like, it's it's challenging and it's, it's you know it's fun, but it's also you get a two to three hour hike out of it. So it's a lot of exercise too. You get if you haven't had a lot of exercise and if you don't play a lot, you will work up a sweat, a real sweat. That's the thing I want to talk about. Mega Man doesn't. I will not drink a beer when I'm doing disc golf because I was worn out. Freaking Gabe, freaking Renee, man. Oh yeah, drink a beer, take it. I'm like all worn out. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was, it, but it was a workout, and uh, and I started doing it. But for some reason, my my work just got just too hectic. But I want to, uh, I want to start doing disc golf again with Renee. Yeah, hit him up anytime. He's always looking for people to play. Yeah, well, he's competitive, man. Yeah, I want that little thing he has, that little that little chip, that little number. <laughs> So be like, oh, wait till next it's year. It's gonna take you a while to beat him. For real? Yeah, 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 he's really good. Oh man. Yeah. So how's everything with you? How's everything going? Good. Staying busy. I have this little office right here in Hollywood that we're in right now. Um, uh, lucky it gets to have it to the end of December. So if anybody wants to set up an appointment to come in and like look at some artwork and talk about prints or anything, hit me up at you know Rafa LA. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing right now. Just. Um, also using this space to edit videos and um, working on um, some screenwriting too. So just oh. making things happen. Oh, screenwriting like yeah, for yeah. like a movie? Yeah, uh, uh, short stories. Oh, okay. Yeah, short films. Yeah. Because you, because uh, I remember I heard a podcast that uh, you're into film. Yeah, I'm definitely into film. I fucking love movies. I used to be a theater actor, uh-huh. and uh, I did a lot of theater back when I was in my twenties, and mm-hmm. and um, did. A little bit of acting in film, but nothing really major, and now writing. So it's just mm-hmm. things that I've always just wanted to accomplish. Kind of like bucket list things for me, myself. Now mm-hmm. I'm approaching 50, and finally just saying, if I want to do these things, I have to do them myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. You have the time for it, you know, and everything. Yeah, I just have to make time and do it, and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to get a call from 
somebody in a big studio. Yeah, so yeah. It's just shit I have to make myself. When you when you write a like a like a story like you know you know whoever you know, does it take forever to like oh my god I gotta do this and it just it just like I got the idea and it's gotta it just take time just to write it and everything how you want that story to be. Writing is the most painful process of anything you've ever done. Like <laughs> it is really extremely painful. Um, it doesn't come easy. It doesn't come easy at all. But once you start doing it and you have a deadline, you have to, you know, just make choices. And what what blocks people a lot is making those choices. Mm. You know, you get to a point where you're like, I, I don't know if I should go this way or that way, and then it gets stuck. Um, but there's also times where it's like, well, I have to make a choice, so I'm going to choose this way and just go with it. Mm-hmm. And you just have to trust yourself. Any any good movies like what, what pops like, man, that the movie is like, that's a good movie. Well, I mean, there's a million good movies. There's a million great movies. There's mm-hmm. a million, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? That was pretty good. Eh, that was not my favorite Tarantino movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a whole other topic. Mm-hmm. Tarantino alone is a whole different topic. My favorite Tarantino movie is Jackie Brown. Okay. Love that movie. Okay. If you want to see uh, Robert De Niro and uh, was it uh, Fonda? Yeah. No, it's uh, Robert Forster mm-hmm. and... and um, yeah, yeah, that's... And, uh, what's the homeboy's name, too? Uh, about Samuel Jackson? Yeah, Samuel Jackson. Yeah, that's pretty, I, like, I like Django. It's pretty good. You know, yeah, that's... we have different tastes. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, okay. But I was... Django is probably Tarantino's worst movie, but I don't want to get into a whole Tarantino. Yeah, like no, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, yeah, that's my opinion of that. I like, I like Goodfellas. Uh, yeah, that, that was Goodfellas a... is great. I just saw The Irishman a couple of days ago. Oh, how was that? That's great. Three and a half hours of, like, beautiful, Three... beautiful filmmaking, yeah. Is it kind of like how The Goodfellas is? I know the so whole... So, it is Goodfellas for old people. Okay. I don't know how old Scorsese is, but De Niro and Pesci are really old. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, it shows the movie's really um, like patient. The movie's really slow. You need to have patience to watch yeah. it. Um, but the story is great. The acting is great. The the visuals are great. Um, I enjoyed it tremendous. I didn't I didn't turn away from for one second during that whole time. I didn't you know mm-hmm. get up to use the restroom or anything. It was perfect mm-hmm. for me. I love long movies. So yeah, it didn't bother me at all. Because I'm thinking like the Irishman. I think it was a story about Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah, it's Jimmy Hoffa and a guy that used to work for him. And unquote. you think uh, you think someone ever is gonna find Jimmy Hoffa's body? I have no idea. Um, I like this story. Uh-huh. It tells a version of it. Uh-huh. Um, you know, there's people claiming that it's fake, but it's a version of it, mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's cool. I like it. I like the story a lot. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't want to give any spoilers, but yeah, I do. I'm gonna watch it, but I was like, uh, someone was telling me you gotta watch this movie on Netflix with Eddie Murphy. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I heard it was really, really good. So I have to the go check. The new stuff, like on Dolomite or something. Dolomite, yeah. yeah, yeah. That was a story, but I want to, I want to check I that seen out. That, but yeah. yeah, Eddie Murphy's a great actor. Yeah, pretty good, man. I have so many questions. I don't even know where to start and everything. And we, I mean, disc golf. I will talk. I'll go. To, I'll talk about disc golf for days. Um, but the reason why I wanted to get you on the podcast because. Um, you do a lot of photography. You're like all over the map on from podcasts, social media. Um, you know the people that you and I we know, like uh, from Felipe, uh, Martin, uh, Renee, Alfred. No father, no problem. Uh, Sergio from Dudes from LA's podcast. You know, like, and it's and also uh, Dolosa. 
too. Um, she's she she talks about you a lot. She's super nice, and uh, you're just like everywhere on the map, you know. I work a lot. I stay busy. <laughs> and so, um, how did you? I don't want to talk about photography, but I want to get to know you a little bit more. Like, uh, where did you grow up at? Where were you born? I grew up in, oh, I was born in Mexico, in Jalisco, uh-huh. um, small town called Pihuamo, born on a ranch with a dirt floor, uh-huh. came to the United States, I was born in 71, came to the U.S. in 74 with my parents, uh-huh. and um, lived in East L.A. ever since, you know, Ball Heights in East L.A., um, when we first arrived, we, we lived in Ball Heights for a minute, then really grew up in East L.A. my whole life, mm-hmm. and then um, right now I'm, I'm in Ball Heights again. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I had a very simple upbringing. We were, you know, just kids on the block back in the days where everybody on the block hung out, you know, nobody mm-hmm. stood inside. So our stories are similar to, like, the Sandlot and, like, um, similar to... Can we have that? Like, Can we have those days? And so we have to yeah, I mean, take the kids from the, the white pads, take them time. out. It was a different time. Yeah. Yeah, you have to create adventures. You have to just take them places and uh, stay close to your kids. And just, like, I, my daughter's now 20... Eight. Uh-huh. And she's an adult now, but um, yeah, just stay close and always, you know, create adventures for yourselves is all I can say. But yeah, back in the days, it was a lot of adventures. We were free to just like roam the streets a lot too. Mm-hmm. So that's that's another different thing is like we were allowed to roam the streets. Where now, as parents, we're also like, wait a minute, you can't go out this late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't really be out on the street by mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. So we also overprotect sometimes uh, our kids so we can't blame them 100% for like not being you know out and excited and happy and all that I totally get it you know like I I have to force my kids to come and they're like no I want to stay home and and watch Netflix or watch listen you know play with the iPad I mean I used to just be out in the street you know you know but my mom was one of those typical Mexican moms like you have to set curfew, you see the light, when the light comes, you come inside. And where I lived at, we used to live in Wilmington. It was really, really bad in those days. Yeah. And we used to live on Blinn and Ruby Dock Street. And I couldn't go over Blinn um, Avenue because, you know, so every time I would go further, it's like, hey, I'm gonna take off. My mom, uh, she would call my grandma and my grandpa because they lived in the front house way up there. It's like, hey, uh, Steven's over there right now and stuff. Like, okay, I'll get him. Say, hey, go back to your house. Because it was bad because there was a lot of drive-by shootings, a lot of, a lot of fights, a lot of gang wars, you know, uh, where Martin always talks about L Street. And right there, it was the next street over in Wilmington. So it was bad in those times. But having a, a lot of family where I was at, imaginary stuff you know just trying to make the day fun you know and just uh and whoever had a nintendo in that whole block we would just go straight to the house like hey can we take can we take turns you know can we go or sometimes we would uh there was an aluminum uh welding place uh and there used to be a fence so we used to go high play hide and seek until we got in trouble by the security and uh my i remember my dad beat the shit out of me <laughs> what the fuck's going on you know and because there was a at the time there was a a lot of kids getting kidnapped Crazy. over there in Wilmington, you what? know, some perverts over there. Wow. Yeah, just kidnapping kids left and right. Wow. Yeah, and he, yeah, it was just those those times where it just it was weird. That's crazy. Yeah, we were just out and about. What like, year was that? Eighty seven, eighty six, about eighty eight around those times. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was crazy times. It was like during the times of like um. 
the Night Stalker too in East LA. So oh, uh, that guy. We had that. So like after that is when people started to like try to bring their kids in a little more. You know, let them mm -hmm. not let them out. That changed. Um, that changed a lot how we spent our time outside at night. You know, mm -hmm. as kids. Mm -hmm. Did your mom or your dad ever worry like, hey, how come you didn't call? You didn't do this like that. Of course, but um, you know, we were we were just kids that hung out in the street. We didn't, mm -hmm. you know, we we'd come home from school and then just finish whatever we had to do and head out mm -hmm. and not come back in until it was time to sleep. You know. Oh, serious. Yeah. So we did get we did have a lot of freedom flexibility because um, our parents also worked a lot, so they weren't always there. You know. So yeah. We we um. Yeah, we were, we had good parents, so I mean, we mm -hmm. we had a good house, but we did spend a lot of time out in the streets. Mm -hmm. yeah. You saw what the streets, uh, some good, some bad, and everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm really lucky too that I didn't fall deep into like bad shit. I did, you know, some dirt back in the days, uh, but I never really went like deep, deep criminal deep. You know, <laughs> like. A lot of people in my neighborhood, I, I talked about this with Alfred on his podcast before that, mm -hmm. where, uh, you know, the people on our block, because he grew up one block away from me. Okay. And the people on our block that we knew, a lot of them were in jail or ended up, you know, dead. And, and um, yeah, we, we were lucky that we, like, didn't fall over that line that could have took us deeper. Because yeah. we were around it. We were all around it, mm -hmm. you know, and it could have been anybody that, you know, gets sunk. Yeah, because the areas that uh, you're talking about, like like when, when Sergio from Dudes in Mali and Chinook and Frank from No Father, they talked about all these areas and stuff. Like, you know, it was just like, man, and it, it must, East L.A. Yeah, Chinook grew up in the same block with Alfred. So, <laughs> right there at Townsend. And um, I think... Frank was just down the block a little bit, uh -huh. um, over over Blanchard, yeah. So, yeah, we all grew up right there in that same little street. It's crazy, right? <laughs> uh, it's a small world, yeah. I know. Isn't that guy, like, he's hilarious, man. Chinook, yeah, he's, he's funny. <laughs> he's funny, like, in Frank. And, um, yeah, he's the one that's going to end up on stage doing stand-up. I was going to say, how come he doesn't do stand-up? <laughs> he just likes to help Frank. I don't know, yeah, but yeah, I guess Frank is Frank, but it's like, nah, that's not for me. You know, I'd rather get drunk. Yeah. <laughs> He's always wants to get drunk. Hey, I I need a beer. You know, yeah. it was just it's. So that's why he needs to be on stage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, uh, going from high school, um, were you like a straight A student, or were you like that, no. the school wasn't for me? Well, I mean, like my entire like. 12 years of school, mm -hmm. you know, from first to 12. I did really good when I was young. I was a kid. I was actually uh, gifted, talented from, like, third grade. They tested, and I tested, tested really high. Uh-huh. And they put me in this gifted program. But when I got to, like, middle school, ninth grade, I started messing up. I actually started drinking at, at the seventh grade. Even. Are you serious? Yeah, so I was, oh, wow. like, ditching the parties and all that started early for me started in middle school and then high school I was like completely like almost absent yeah. and I ended up finishing in continuation uh -huh. and then I did a little bit of college not a lot but um yeah I, I was not a good student I was a smart student I got mm -hmm. it but I was not mm -hmm. 
what I didn't like was homework. <laughs> Who doesn't? So I did a lot of, like, when I was in class, I'd kick ass. The teachers loved me. Mm-hmm. I actually got along with all my teachers. And uh, where I failed was, like, in turning in stuff. Because once I went home, it was a whole different world. You know, I'd just mm-hmm. be out in the streets pretty much. That's how I was, too, when I used to go to school. I used to be, like, a straight A then to the point, like, I just didn't want to do it. I just want to live that life. When you talk about ditching parties and stuff, I used to go ditching parties a lot and uh there was a time you know um over there in modesto if you didn't go to school for a certain time you know or whatever uh, you you know i kick you out <laughs> no they would get fined oh yeah i was like <laughs> my mom was like what's this is like because he had the address say oh you've been fined uh well back then it was 101 101 dollars because i missed uh what i think it was like a, a month and a half of school Damn. Yeah. Well, you know, school gets paid for you being there. Oh, yeah, of course. And if you're not there, they're not making money. Ex- so. Yeah. So they want you there, and then and, until I got caught by the cops, and go to the detention center and stuff, and you had to look at the wall and That's stand. Hilarious. I was like, man, my legs hurt. Stay right there. But I was like, it's not for me. Until the point my, when I was ditching, my mom knew where the ditching party was. And she kicked the door and she grabbed me and said, you're going back to school. She and went to a party and got you? Got me, dude. Smacked the 40 out of your hands? Yeah. <laughs> nah, I was, I was just kicking back watching, was it Garfield? What? <laughs> kind of did you party? It was a whole bunch. We just didn't want to go to school and stuff. We tried uh, to keep on the hush. Yeah, just to hang on because a lot of supervisors and a lot of schools were trying to find out where this ditching party was. And just, it was almost like a raid, you know? And uh, I just couldn't do I, I just School wasn't for me. Until my mom put me in a Christian school, it got worse. Mm. I was like, dude, I'm, I'm, a, I'm bad. <laughs> it makes it worse. You know, I don't want to go to a Christian school. That's, that's not for me. You know, but... God didn't help you, bro? No. God wasn't... <laughs> no, I, I got more of an alky, dude. <laughs> no. I got expelled from uh, being uh, drunk in school. That's hilarious. So I went to a ditching party, and my first beer I had was an Old English. Wow. It, those glass, those wine yeah. glass, but we drank it, and I walked... Walk back to high school all drunk and and I threw up on the freaking uh, <laughs> in the classroom and the cops came and everything. My mom saw she was wow. embarrassed and I was in the hospital. And the next day, my mom they expelled me and she shipped me back with my dad over here in Long Beach. Wow! And went to Lakewood High. Then uh, I was doing pretty good, but I just feel like school wasn't for me. And I feel like with my mom and dad, they didn't understand me. I don't know why. I just, yeah. I think when my mom and my dad split up when I was like 12, it, it, it kind of hurt me. Yeah. You know, but I was like, eh. I think you don't think about it at that point. You just go forward. Yeah. Like, but now you're like realizing that. You yeah. Because yeah. I feel like now it did bother me, but now I'm getting older. Like, I'm seeing, looking, I'm looking back like, why did you teach me that way? Why did you Why did you teach me that? You know this yeah. and that. Is that these are the wrong ways? Because now with the old school mentality of how our parents brought us to be and taught us, and now with the new generation and everything, what you see on social media, it was just like I was just going backwards. Like I shouldn't be like that with my kids or or to my lady. But those those were times like that. Yeah, it doesn't matter what I mean. Whatever that was, like whatever it is now that, that you realize, like you realize what you want to do and just do that and you know, mm-hmm. just live your life like you see it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't really like you know stay in the past, of course. Oh yeah, that you like uh, you just gotta close a chapter to start a new chapter, and that's why I feel like uh, ever since now I'm gonna go back to school. 
uh, because the, I want to learn how to speak Spanish. I need it bad. Yeah. Because yeah? I'm more. Everyone calls me like a little freaking almond joy. It's like, what does that mean? Oh, you're a coconut, dude. Like brown on the outside, white in the middle. You know, because I don't know Spanish. You know, and so you don't have to know Spanish. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Don't knock yourself for that. No. You know? I mean, that's also something that has to do with the way that you were raised and mm-hmm. you know the place that you were raised and whatever mm-hmm. your surroundings, right? Mm-hmm. That's not. Nothing to knock yourself for it. I mean, no. it's good if you want to learn it. Of course, learn it. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a tool mm-hmm. that you can use, but you don't have to know it. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna make fun of you, or am I? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, don't hate yourself for that. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I wanted to do it because uh, you know, now that I have a a, a son now, uh, he was born like a month ago, and. Uh, you know, I want to start speaking Spanish and know, know the heritage and, you know, and everything what, where, where my lady, where she grew up at. And a lot of my family were uh, from Guanajuato uh, and stuff like that. I have a lot of family over there. And I want to get close to them and, and, and go to that city and, and see how it is. Because, I mean, I only been to Mexico one time. I was like, TJ. Yeah. <laughs> Not Revolution Street. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just that's the thing I want to uh, get caught up in and learn the culture and everything and stuff. Cool. But yeah, but um, that's the thing I want to talk about with this whole thing with this Latinx, Chicano American, uh, Chicano Car Club, like all this difference. It's like, I don't want to step on people's toes, but if, if someone tells me, what do you see yourself as, Megan Man? I see myself as a Ch- Chicano American. You know, because I was born over here. I mean, if I was born in Mexico, it'd be a different story. But I guess in a way, there's it's like you shouldn't be calling yourself that or this and stuff. So the, all these topics, Latinx and millennials like this, this is all new to me because I'm so closed in. I'm so busy to know what's going on in the world. So now I want to understand what's going on now with the Chicano culture now. Um, yeah. I mean, all, all that takes is a lot of reading. You might have to go back to school a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can go to um, like a community college, just take like a Chicano 101, mm-hmm. Chicano studies class, um, just to like learn that whole history of, of um, how they even like gave us these names and started naming us and how we named ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <clears throat> and pretty much it just keeps changing because. You know, in the 70s when Chicano started, it was a thing to say like, okay, we're not from Mexico, we're not from the US, but we need to claim something. So they started to claim Chicano and they started to claim Aslan. And then, you know, nowadays it's like, well, the new culture is is very um, politically woke, because that's the term that's used to, mm-hmm. that they are very in tune with how you're being represented and how inclusive you're being of people. So Latinx became the word that they wanted to be identified as because it's more inclusive of everybody, um, including people of different um, genders and um, sexual orientation. You yes. know, So they they've uh, um, done that so that it doesn't just mean like a specific group of Mexicans or Latinos, you know, Mm -hmm. from this little tiny area. Latinx covers, you Mm -hmm. know, the whole thing and it's very um, inclusive. And also like some of the (coughs) older Chicanos are, you know, they call them Chicanosauruses because they still, they're still very like 
stuck in like old school ways and they're very you know um is it like kind of like the armchair mexicans like that no okay that's something else okay um but it's just that um the entire i guess the entire culture shift and like awareness has shifted in a way that you need to be a lot more open to um inclusivity Mm. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and being inclusive is important. Everybody needs to be represented, and that's what Latinx does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not something we can cover in like the amount of time. No, we're no, here, no. But no, it's no. definitely something that um, you can just pick up a book. I mean, I wish there was like a Latinx book for dummies or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, just read some articles. Find um, you know, go to the UCLA Chicano Research Center. Resource Center, um, East LA has a library that also has a Chicano Resource Center, mm-hmm. and um, you can go in there and learn whatever you want to know about um, the people that have fought for a lot of the freedoms that we have now, even though we're struggling right now with this idiot in the White House. Um, I mean, the, the battle is always on. The battle is always present. You're always going to fight against people that are against um a dar- a darker shade of people you know and if you can uh you know stay involved and and help make change it's awesome mm-hmm. some people are like oh, i don't worry about politics and they just kind of like live on the sidelines and and do their 9 to 5s and go home and you know watch netflix and watch a movie and forget about it but there's always a group of people on the front lines that are literally making sure that we still have rights. They're literally, mm-hmm. um, there's a group called MELDEF, Mexican American Legal Defense and Education Fund. Mm-hmm. They fight and create lawsuits uh, against people that are trying to hold us down or whatever. I, I see some of that stuff and going on in Long Beach too. There's a lot of people working that you don't see all the time if you're not you know on top of it there's there's always and forever will be people on the front lines fighting for us because um somebody has to whether it's in hollywood or in the school system or you know even just to get like fair treatment on the metro even just to get um allow people to sell hot dogs in the streets or tacos i mean there is always there are always people fighting that we don't see if you're not really active you know and mm-hmm. and i'm not saying that everybody has to be active but if you see a chance to you know participate or to donate money to a cause mm-hmm. do it find your find your charity or find your warrior you know um organization and give that group mm-hmm. some money because uh, more than anything they need money and support and mm-hmm. a lot of times they need bodies when there's marches and things like that yeah. um, bodies are important just show up bring a sign and march but um it's really important if you can't do any of that to at least find find a, yourself a chicano or mexican or latinx charity whatever you identify with and, and put mm-hmm. some money into it because on the other side there are people with a lot of money that are fighting against us that are literally fighting to make new laws that will fuck us up Uh, that will hold us down, that will keep us back, and that will not allow us to even walk the streets, you know? So, Mm -hmm. yes, 
you need to fight. <laughs> Support something. Find something um, to battle because the other side has a lot of people and a lot of money that don't like us. Yeah, that's just yeah, that's that's always going to be. That's true. It, it, yeah, I know it. it but you have, you have to be honest and real. Uh, yeah, I totally agree and stuff. You know, like I want to see what I want to get myself into. If it's if it's if it's the right fit for me, you know, and stuff. But you know, I always see stuff that goes on, and it's like. What happened when uh, a couple months back, you know, when he started doing these ice raids over there in Long Beach, I seen those cars, you know, going here, here, here. Like, what the fuck is going on? And, you know, I'm not going to mention there's someone I know and doesn't have papers, you know, and, you know, she was worried, you know, and it's scary. Yeah, it's fucking scary. You know, it's scary, you know, and stuff. And I think it just it, it makes me cry. Yeah. To see what goes on because, yeah. like, we see it, but what happens if one of our family members didn't have papers and ICE took them? And I've seen these videos of, 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 these, of their kids crying. Yeah, it's horrible. It's, it's I don't It's just stupid politics. It's mm-hmm. really stupid politics. So. And they're going to blame it all is the cartels or this yeah. or whatever. There's always going to be somebody or something to blame. So, like, I mean, without getting into all the details yes. of all that, oh, yeah. definitely just find yourself somebody that you can get behind and give that group mm-hmm. a little support because oh, that's yeah. that's what they really need more than anything. Mm-hmm. And also, since we're we're going to talk a little light on that subject, um, the gentrification, what's been going on with Boyle Heights, yeah. you know, that's that, that's always been fighting for like, like that for years? Well, so gentrification is another like multifaceted topic. It's such a fucking tricky, like, thing. Very and, tricky. And it's annoying as hell just to see it happen. It's annoying as hell if you live in these neighborhoods and all of a sudden people move into your neighborhood that look down on you. It's like you've lived in this neighborhood forever and all of a sudden people move in and they look at you with disdain and don't want to, like, even acknowledge that you're there or that you've been there. Um like we just don't matter you know and so that's that's the ugly part of it is like um seeing people get displaced like completely moved out because somebody else is willing to pay more money for an apartment complex you know yeah. or for rent and, and seeing people that have lived in these neighborhoods for a long time get mm-hmm. torn apart um you know with these uh, little mexican families or or whatever um uh, latin x families there are <laughs> they they have little ecosystems, you know, like la señora la ayuda a la señora con esto, you know, esta señora uh, me trae medicina, esta persona, you know, they all help each other in a way where they're connected and they have little ecosystems that they live in and gentrification starts to tear that apart and it displaces people completely and then they can't find a house right away, um, people end up homeless. Highland Park right now is having the worst worst problem they've ever had with um, local homeless people that, I mean, they've, they're they taking like complete apartment buildings and kicking everybody out and cleaning it up and renting it to new people for more money. And um, those people, some of them end up homeless and in the area and some of them are entire families, you know, and it's it's really, it's horrible to see, but it, it that's also like something else that you gotta um, look into. Look into and see what you can do to help, you know, see what what um, what groups you can help in your area. Because they've been changing. I think they're trying to change the law in Long Beach to jack up the rent 
you know, yeah. and all that stuff. And we see it, there's a lot, there's a lot of homeless problems too. And a lot of the places that, you know, people used to live there, they invict them, you got 30 days, and they, in a month or two, they fix them all up, and now you see a whole bunch of white people moving in. Like, yeah. It's like, well, what are you doing over here? What are you doing over here in the hood? They're like, yeah. oh, we, we live in Long it's Beach. Not even, it's not even hood no more. They don't even rent it to locals. They, they don't. It's, you know, it's people that are coming from the East Coast that have Baltimore. never been in the area, yeah. All the, where my street so is they at. they sell it to people online. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the marketing, the rental places completely, like, advertise to people from outside of our city that they don't even know what neighborhood they're moving into. Oh, I found an apartment here. It's, you know, this distance from my work. So sometimes for the people moving in, like, they don't know. You know, they're like, oh, this looks like a good apartment. I'm going to move here. It's this much distance from where I'm going to work now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they come into the neighborhood, and they have no idea themselves what they're getting into. But mm. uh, some people do know, and, and it's just, I, I call it a dick move. If, like, if you're a gentrifier and you're going to move in somewhere and just fucking, like, you know, displace an entire group of people. It's just, you're just being a dick. Because there's so many other places you can move. You don't have to move here and, like, hate your neighborhood. No. Hate the people around you and then just, like, hide in your little house behind your sideways fence, you know? <laughs> like, my part, like, my apartment where I live in Long Beach, I pay, like, nine ninety five for almost, like, two bedrooms and a bath. And that is in the hood because it's like in Cambodian town in Long Beach. Mm-hmm. So there used to be a lot of Cambodians in that street back in the day with the whole Mexicans and Cambodians. And now it's all like white people now. And I can tell like it's a little weird. It's like it's just because they make it uncomfortable because yeah. they don't they don't even really like talk to people sometimes. You know, it's it's kind of like no, I oh my the people the the white the the people that they moved in they're, they're nice. Well, okay. They're like super cool. Like hey. And I can say, oh, I always ask them, what city you used to be at? Oh, Baltimore, Boston, New Hampshire, Vermont. It's like, what are you doing over here? Oh, we like the city Long Beach. We like what's going on. You know, all the gentrification. The uh, the Anaheim Angels might be moving to Long Beach and all this stuff. Like, all these breweries, these coffee shops. But the only thing, I always come to East L.A. because over there in Long Beach, there's not that much restaurants. There's the closing down. So that's why I always come to East LA. That's crazy. I always, you guys have the best food. Yeah, we do. You can the best menudo, carnitas, like just everything. I always want to go. Like man, who knows some spots for us? Like man, that street tacos is is anything. I always like menudo, uh, just burritos, just enchiladas, like whatever. I don't yeah. care. I want like what's the best of the best that East LA has to offer. Come down anytime. Come on, let me know. <laughs> I, yeah, that's the thing. Um, when you when you started uh, before uh, doing like photography, you had like a, like a couple of jobs and stuff like that, being a paralegal and everything. Mm. You did some research. Oh yeah, I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I got out of high school, um, the first thing I did was uh, I got a job. I, while I was working in offices, just like being a clerk. So during that time, I started to like just take paralegal classes so that I could learn more, and uh, started working for lawyers as yeah. a paralegal. But but uh, eventually, it was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like you know, I did I did like a little trade school, and I learned how to be pretty much a secretary for an attorney. Is all I was doing. You know, mm-hmm. I was keeping them. Um, 
their calendars and writing their papers and you know sending all letters. It was a good job. I yeah. loved it. I mean, I was young. I was making really good money. Mm-hmm. But eventually, like, um, I mean, it took me a while to figure out that I didn't want to be like behind a desk. Uh, the last job that I did behind a desk in that way. I mean, I still work at a desk, but, but with no tie. But with no tie. <laughs> yeah. The last job that I did like that was um, it was a business assistance uh-huh. program and. I worked walking around talking to businesses and letting them know how I can help them. And mm-hmm. so I took some business courses too to help me be able to help people that way. And, and I pretty much just helped with marketing. That's where I started to learn like Photoshop and things like that to help them with um, designing like marketing campaigns mm. and stuff like that. You mm-hmm. know? And then, uh, you know, yeah, eventually um, a lot of things just, I, I guess I did, I life just pushed me in the creative way it kept pushing me like even though i was doing the business thing it was like oh let's find a creative way to work with businesses you know Mm -hmm. and eventually i i um just stopped working for other people i decided i want to work for anybody else again and i started to take pictures and that was uh 2010 when i decided to do the 365 day photo shoot Mm -hmm. um i did it in an effort to force myself to shoot every day and to learn the camera um, and let it become second nature. So every single day of 2010, I was out with the camera somewhere taking pictures and that night editing pictures. So mm-hmm. I did that so much that it did become second nature. So like you would just take pictures like midnight, like two or three o'clock in the morning, like you don't want to get up, I'm gonna take a picture like that. Well, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know. Basically, I just had the camera around my neck all the time and wherever I was at, if I saw something, I'd take pictures, you know. I'd, Capture I'd, the moment. Yeah, I'd take a lot of public transportation, so I'd walk around a lot, I'd go to events, I'd, you know, whatever I did, I would um, just take pictures and, and then post one a day. So that taught me the editing process, you know, like I would take hundreds of pictures, but get home and have to figure out one picture. So I looked at everything and editing is important, like just getting rid of everything and finding the one that you like the most. Wow. Yeah. That's like you like when it comes to like photography, when you get capture that one picture, like do you look at that picture and you kind of think like, like there has to be a story into that picture. Yeah, I'm definitely about the narrative of whatever I see in the image. Um, hopefully, like, the image that I'm showing is telling some kind of story or will, like, give the viewer a peek into some kind of world where they can, like, create a story in their own head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try to do that. Um, most definitely. Like the picture I saw in your office with uh, the fire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's birdie and they're just chilling like whatever. That's like, what was that at? What was that picture taken at? They weren't chilling like whatever, but um, that was near my house. I was at my house and I noticed out my window, I noticed there was a fire. Ran over there, everybody was okay. And they were just getting people out of this apartment complex. Uh-huh. And I went back, got my camera and came back to the scene before the firemen were even there or anything. And you sure that wasn't Sergio's house who was burning up his dad's house? <laughs> <laughs> but um, the people were just, you know, slowly walking out of the their apartment that was next door to the house that was burning. So uh-huh. I happened to capture um, pretty cool scene with that mom holding her baby and uh, mm. somebody in a wheelchair being rolled out and the giant fire behind them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I was lucky. That was like lucky to be there kind of a moment. Yeah. yeah. 
I was uh, on, was it a couple of days ago, uh, we were looking at um, a lot of your pictures and uh, uh, my lady, uh, Cynthia, her brother, he's a photographer. He's like, oh, wow, this is pretty badass. He's like, how do you know him? He's like, well, because of Martine and everything and stuff. And you know, I hear met him like playing disc golf once in a blue moon. He's a photographer. I said, yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. It's like, ask him if he can give me some pointers, you know? <laughs> like, well, because, you know, there's always going to be someone be like, hey, I'm a photographer. What should I focus on? You know, what would you say to those kind of, to everyone like that who are first timers? So my new, um, my new thing that I'm actually going to start a workshop. Uh-huh. Uh, for this is like uh, what are you feeling what are you feeling when you're shooting what are you thinking when you're shooting because what you're thinking and feeling is something that you're hopefully gonna infuse into the photograph um, as you're walking around a lot of my pictures like back in the days were really like sad I always said they had a tinge of sadness Mm -hmm. um, because that's how I felt and so a lot of what I would end up posting was something that had like a little like uh, I called it weight. It has like a weight to it. It has a heaviness. It has some kind of like um, uh, something that just anchors it to you. And like you look at it, you're like, ooh, I feel that. I understand that. So be aware of what you're feeling when you're out shooting something. Um, and I try to shoot just random things in the street. It's not always random, but mm-hmm. for the most part, it's, you know, random street things. And um, just know what you're feeling. And the most easiest thing you could learn is the rule of thirds the rule of thirds just google it it's how you compose an image if you just start using the rule of thirds any beginner can improve their images um, tenfold Mm -hmm. just rule of thirds and uh, know what you're feeling and know what you want to you know put through in your images Mm -hmm. because i see a lot of people tag me like oh you should get this photographer but they they pit, it's like the same picture of Long Beach. It's just like oh the catcher the Queen Mary or this. It's like what about what about realness? I want realness. I don't want no portrait like oh Queen Mary or like you know Belmont Shores. It's like I don't want that. I want something real. I did a talk at the Scarborough Center and this old lady was like, you know everything that you showed us, it was really like miserable. What <laughs> old lady? She was like. I was just in Chicago, and they have beautiful buildings and bridges, and, you know, why can't you take pictures of that? I was like, well, that's not my taste. I go, I told her, you know, it was really nice. I said, you can find those photographers if you want them, but mm-hmm. that's not what I'm going to shoot. It's just like picking a movie, you know, what movie do you want to see? Do you want to mm-hmm. see Transformers, or do you want to see, you know? something <laughs> Fellini film or something you know I can't believe you said that yeah. <laughs> miserable yeah no and it was true I mean it was a little bit of a of a of a diss too um but whatever you know I was like well don't come to East LA lady <laughs> you know but um yeah it was like there's a I'm not shooting pretty things you know um mm-hmm. but to me they're beautiful mm-hmm. but I'm not I'm not I, I try to be, like, I just, one thing that people tell me about my photos is that they're honest. And yeah. uh, so I really appreciated that when I, when I hear that mm-hmm. um, from people because um, it, it, that's pretty much what I want to do. I just want to show you what I see. And if, if that comes through, then I'm, I'm happy, you know. And uh, 
and uh, first I have to. There's a whole selfishness thing too that I tell people. You have to like do it for yourself first. So you you gotta shoot things that you love, and edit them in a way that you're gonna love, and um, because you're the one that's gonna show them and talk about them, you're the one that has to. Um, represent these things and they represent you too so hopefully you'll do something that you love and, and that you really appreciate so mm -hmm. so edit for yourself first mm -hmm. and then just trust yourself and um and hopefully people will come along and and see what you're doing and and come on your ride with you, you know? mm -hmm. it takes a while but it's just uh something that you can you can develop because i want to start doing that myself like being like take pictures of the moment because i know i was always on my social media and stuff and it's like no nope, i do everything nah. you be a comedian bro well like i want to be the renaissance man <laughs> i want to be the renaissance but like oh no so i i, I want to start making craft beer too oh shit <laughs> make craft beer photographer podcaster you know just just everything you know and comedy if i if i do it i do it if i suck oh, at least it. i went up there do it yeah I think you should do all those things. <laughs> Just, Make kombucha too. I need some kombucha. Fuck. Right, well, I'll get you. I'll get you. I'll hook you up at my store. I, I'll, I can give you a case if you want alcohol or non-alcohol. Because <laughs> that kombucha will clean you out. Yeah, I had right. that and it was like, it just messed me up. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, you I, have a store? Yeah, Sprouts. I work at Sprouts Farmer's Market. Oh, shit. No way. Yeah. Well, it's not your store, though. No, but they give me... The, Bro, they, anything you give me from Sprouts, I'm down. I'll, Hook it up. Whatever. I'll get you Sprouts, the coconut water. Okay. Uh, we, got the Royal, we got the Royal Jelly you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard about that. Oh, yeah, Is that shit. true? Yeah, it's good shit. It's no, really good shit. No, yeah. it, 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 you know, if you're drinking beer, like, you, you well, take some of that stuff. That's what happened to me. I don't know how true it is, but it worked for me, you know. Because yeah. I, need, I need to stop drinking beer. I want to start losing this weight. Well, that's what uh, Snook <laughs> said, too, and he hasn't started it yet. <laughs> oh, man. man. He needs to drink more. <laughs> He's like, come on, man. How, yeah. I don't get it. Chinook drinks a lot then frank does it you know like i don't know what's up i don't know so uh right now we're gonna take a break right now uh and we'll be right back because i think i need some more coke we'll be right back those are kind of like something we're super fan uh, it's always something always hear that term from uh, the other podcasters you know, like George Perez or Felipe or Martinez say, hey, you're my number one super fan. <laughs> so I guess the, the, the name, the Coke, super fan, it's, it's right for Mega Man. So <laughs> it's perfect. So I want to talk about, like, uh, how long did you knew uh, Felipe, you know, Martin? And you, I didn't know you knew Jeff Garcia's. Well. What the fuck, Doc? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I've known them all through the, the just the comedy circuit, you know, uh -huh. I mean, I've been, Felipe came out to do the, the Eastside Love um, show that I had. And so, okay, that's the thing I want to talk about. I always hear, like, he did that thing called Eastside Love. I always see what Rigo say, talk about that. Eastside Love was a, it is a bar in Boyle Heights, and uh, when they opened, I did um, some comedy nights back then, and it was, um, Actually, during the time that Felipe was doing uh, the uh, uh, Last Man Standing, Last Comic Standing thing, mm -hmm. so he hadn't won yet. It was no, he had just won, but it was around that time. I don't remember if it was before or after. And so he was, uh, he was a pretty big deal. Um, I mean, he's always been a big deal to me. I've, I've, I've followed his career for a long time. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, back in those days, we had Cristela Alonso on, we had Dustin Ibarra, we had... Dustin Ibarra uh, with those crazy uh, eyes. <laughs> Alfred, and uh, we had... Um, uh, we all, oh, actually, um, Jerry Garcia from Huntington Park. Jerry Garcia? That, that was the first time. The Netflix, right? Yeah, that was the first American time. American wannabes. Okay. He, he came on. Um, Jeff, Jeff Garcia brought him and was like, hey, put my homeboy on. <laughs> so we threw him on and uh, yeah, he was um, he was grateful and so he, he just did my show last last mm-hmm. uh, month and he was happy to be on and I hadn't seen me again. I hadn't seen him since then, so mm-hmm. really cool guy. He's always been down. Mm-hmm. Look at him down. <laughs> how did uh, you started the La Cura? Like, how did that all start? Well, the the other story I was gonna tell is that um, as soon as I turned eighteen, I was always going to, like comedy clubs uh-huh. um, wherever I could, and I'd go see shows uh, a lot. I I could never be a comedian because <clears throat> uh-huh. I couldn't I couldn't write it. I tried writing it when I was young, uh-huh. but um, uh, I got to know Martin Moreno way back then. Martin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, um, what am I talking about? Wait, my fucking memory. I met. Felipe? Ru- <laughs> my <laughs> bad. I met Rudy Moreno. Oh, yeah. okay. So, my bad. My my brain went. Um, brain fart. Second. So yeah. So, I met Rudy Moreno way back then, because um, he lives near East LA College. I was taking theater classes. Long story short, I met him at Kinkos, and and we just started talking and became friends and. Uh, I would go, I told him I'd go to the ice house a lot, and so from then on, every time I'd go to the ice house, I'd always say hi to him, mm-hmm. and then he would eventually, like, be the person that hooked me up with so many tickets to go to the ice house, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really grateful to him for that, and he introduced me to some people too, but because I was there so much, I got to meet a lot of these comedians and see mm-hmm. them a lot, and that's how I you know, got to know Jeff um, uh, for for a bit, but but even way back before then, I used to see them at Gotham. I saw Jeff at Gotham's way back then too. I saw I saw them at all these little tiny shows. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean it was just around it. So mm-hmm. when it came to doing the the one at Eastside Love, um, it was also because of my homeboy Flaco. Um, Flaco. Yeah, and uh, we started that as a thing for him to have a new platform when he was starting comedy. Yes. Like, it was like a place where he would always have, you know, a spot. And so that's how it started. And, and with with him and, and the people that he knew and the people that I knew, we yeah. were able to fill up every night with good people. And and some people I would just reach out, ran, you know, I didn't know them, but I'd reach out and say, hey, would you want to do a spot? And, and they'd... Hundred percent of the time, say yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was like really cool that I can get people to come out. Mm-hmm. Uh, the important thing is always pay your comics. You know, um, I have I pay like the headliners and and of course there's like a few people that want to come and do five minutes before those people don't always get paid. But mm-hmm. you know, treat your comics right and and hopefully you know they'll keep coming back because um, mm-hmm. that's the show. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And so doing it again now. Um, I found a new place in Ball Heights. It's called the Paramount Ballroom. It looks beautiful. It's I see an amazing it. place, and it's been around for a long time. Rita Hayworth used to own it. Rita Hayworth? Yes, way back in the day. Wow, that's a really long story. She's actually um, half Latina. Oh, I forgot what her real last name was. 
but the, her history is there at the place. But that place used to be a jazz club. There's a lot of old school musicians that went there. And then in the 80s, it was a punk rock club. A lot of people play there. And it was always a quinceanera place. My quinceanera. Sister had, my sister had her quinceanera there in the 80s. Okay. And now it has been um, revamped. And it's, you know, Latinos running uh, the owners. That's Latino owners. It's Latino managers. The people booking. It's a, it's a music venue. The yes. people booking the venues mm-hmm. uh, is local. The chef, there's a the chef in there who's also local. He's world renowned. What? Oh, that is their serve food. Okay. Yeah, the food is amazing. You gotta check it out. <laughs> and um, it's on point. And so when I was approached with, hey, um, if you, they were like, if you think of something you don't want to do here, I was like, well, you know, I used to do a comedy night. Can we work with that? And like, yeah. So this is gonna be our. Um, I did two months already. Uh, November twentieth is gonna be our third. No, I'm sorry. Never been only one so far. Uh-huh. This is going to be our second night. Break. I'll be there. This is a monthly. It's not a weekly. Oh, okay. Yeah, I wish it was a weekly. Mm-hmm. Um, successful, most successful comedy nights are weeklies. Um, as a monthly, um, hopefully it works. And so, anyways, yeah. Uh, this week, this month, we have Martin Moreno, um, Hooter Moreno, mm-hmm. uh, La Senorita Monique Flores. Rodrigo Torres. And Rodrigo Torres is the host. Dustin Navarro. And, no, oh. not Dustin Navarro. <laughs> oh, and Johnny Roque. Johnny Roque? Yeah, Johnny Roque. Oh. Yeah, he's funny. I like that guy a lot. Mm-hmm. These are my ears. I can't wait. That's, yeah. I I always liked uh, Martin, you know, big fan. Um, him and uh, Hooter from the Yo 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 podcast. Uh, Good stories, good podcast. Rodrigo Torres. From Those what? guys are fucking hilarious. Father's On point. Team is, On it's point. So, it's so like interesting to see them when they're in their own element, working like talking amongst each other. It's it's good stuff. That's kind of like a good father and son. Like man, I yeah. wish I had that dad. <laughs> you know, but it, it it they work good together. You know, yeah. and um, they're well known. And uh, you know, like Johnny Rocket, he's you know pretty good. And uh, um, there was, a, I think, there was a girl who's going to be on the on the comedy show. Yeah, Monique Flores. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen her. I never seen her. Stuff. I saw her at the Ice House before. She's pretty good. Yeah, she's she's good. Okay. Definitely good. Yeah. Then Rodrigo I, Torres, of course. Yeah. You I, know. I usually the the people on my flyer are usually people that I know are good, and then I'll put some open micers in the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. or some people that just want to get a shot uh, mm-hmm. before that. So you, whoever's on the flyer, is always like people that I love you know and then you'll see uh, other people before that that's pretty good for the the past well the second show man you're bringing some heavy hitters i mean like wow it's like because uh my lady she's like we're gonna go to this thing so yeah it's like all right it's like who's that it's like dude he's good <laughs> you know because i never knew who uh jerry uh garcia's was until I heard is a podcast, the American Wannabe Podcast, <laughs> and I heard seen him perform at Harvell's in Long Beach. Okay. Yeah, then you know. He's hilarious. He's hilarious. He's I funny. I he's, he's killed it for years. Uh huh. He's a he's he's a, a veteran now. A single dad. <laughs> yeah, he. I saw him when he was barely eighteen. I think he was, and he was like. I don't know if he was 18, but he was, I think he was 18. He was really young, and, and, and um, they used to call him the bad boy from La Puente, and he used to wear a leather jacket, 
And he, you know, he looked like a... Oh, that's him? Yeah, the bad like boy from the Puente? Yeah, who's, like who, who's the devil? Who's that? I don't know who the devil is. I don't know who's that. Juan Garcia is or Jeff? I don't know which one. But someone's from La Puente. They call him the devil. <laughs> I thought that was Jeff Garcia's, man. I, I want to see... He's the only one I haven't seen him perform. You know he was the voice on Jimmy Neutron for, the, for Shane? Uh-uh. On Jimmy Neutron, yeah. That's the, I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. He has... Yeah, he's he he's talked about that a lot. How you know he he this animation stuff. Really funny guy. That guy could really like you know, mm-hmm. um, just he would he would destroy a room. Mm-hmm. Back in the days, it was so. I mean, you could go to a show and you would see in one night at the Ice House, you could see literally. I'm not even kidding. Uh, Gabriel Iglesias, Jeff Garcia, Felipe Esparza. Um, uh, Carlos Mencia. Carlos Mencina? Carlos Mencia, yeah. Oh, shit. And and if you're lucky, George Lopez, too. But George Lopez would pop in and out. But in one night, you would see, you know, three to four of these guys. Heavy hitters. And, and then there was other people like Luke Torres, um, Gene Pompa, other people that... Gene Pompa. Yeah, oh, man. These people would come in and just destroy a house. And, and it was always <laughs> good to see that back then. Yeah. I seen Gene Pompa's years ago because I think he lives in Seal Beach mm. and I think I saw him shop at my store one time <laughs> I was like is that Gene Pompa because I could tell by his small hat <laughs> he wears that small hat it's like yeah. that's Gene Pompa that's hilarious yeah I have to see him perform but I heard he's pretty good too yeah, man I, that's some heavy hitters and seeing um, all them like now they're like they're all doing big now yeah. that's like wow I've seen them when they're doing this like dang this Felipe just blew up. I yeah, mean, Felipe. In my eyes, because I didn't know who Felipe was until I heard him on the George Perez podcast. And and he was a, what's up, fool? It's like, it's just catchy. <laughs> and uh, his podcast, he's just straight up blood. He's just straight up honest and blood, you yeah. know? No holds barred. I love that guy. I know. And I always, uh, I, I think, yeah, he's something else. He's really, he's very, very special. Watching him on last comic standing uh-huh. was seeing his undeniable talent uh-huh. up against people that were extremely talented themselves um you know i mean of course i was rooting for him in the beginning but as he kept coming back every week with something different i was like this dude's gonna take it and he kept coming back every week with something different and an, an entire new set, and every line was a hit, a hit, a hit. And I was like, this dude is gonna take it because he was undeniably original compared mm-hmm. to the other people he was up against. Yes. Um, the guy that got second place was a big crybaby because he thought he should have won. But there was it was undeniable. What Felipe did during that run of Last Comic Standing was just kill it every night and and he is a character as a human being mm-hmm. and he brought originality and things that those uh audience members had never heard before it was it was amazing to watch that happen uh when he won i was so happy for him yeah yeah shout out to felipe there's one thing i i noticed with a lot of the the comedians when they have podcasts 
I like hearing stories mm. back then. I like I like people who tell stories, mm. like a storyteller. Mm. Like I remember this, I remember that. Like, I was like, those are funny stories. When you had when he had Martin Moreno come on the podcast, oh my gosh, dude. you know it was <laughs> hilarious. And I was at Felipe's podcast, Adam. He tells more stories about when I grew up. Like he knows a lot of the shit. We knew some of the same like local. Um, what do you call it? Urban, urban, um, urban myths. legends, urban myths, and urban legends. Yeah, and yeah, he he fucking has the best stories of uh, those days. He's like two years older than me, so we grew up kind of like exactly the same time. Uh huh. I knew I knew the Aliso village that he grew up in. Oh yeah, it's a fucking hard fucking place to grow up in. Um, it's not there no more, huh? No, it's completely destroyed. Uh huh. Um, they 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 flattened it and put in new um, townhouses. Oh wow, it's crazy. Boy, it's crazy right now. But um, yeah, that that Aliso village was intense. It was not an easy place to be. Yeah, I mean, and he is very fortunate that he made it. He is very fortunate with what happened with Father Boyle. And, yeah. Uh, and, and there's a there's a there's a story. I, I don't know what it's called. The whole thing, like this happened to me. It's a comedy thing that's like ten minutes long, and, and the comedians get to tell a story. Mm-hmm. I can't believe this happened to me or something. Like that. Oh yeah, it's on a uh, Comedy Central. Is yeah. That? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And his story that he tells is amazing. So if you get a chance, watch that. It's, it's really good. I think you can look it up on YouTube on yeah, Comedy on Central. I, I I'll check it, it out. Recently. Yeah, yeah, I'll it's check it out. Really good stuff. Um, he's something else. Yeah, yeah. Felipe. He's a little character. I, I always like him when he talks about <laughs> Alpha Robles. He's like, he he did a joke where I think it was all, he was on What's a Food podcast. And he said, "You see that username? That's a fake one. That's Alpha Robles stalking me." <laughs> You see that username right there? That's a fake. That's a fake account. That's Alpha Robles stalking me, dude. <laughs> that one and really Barcetta stories and stuff. You can't go wrong with nothing but really Barcetta stories. I I heard him on another thing talking about old stories about um, the the Gotham Prime Cut. There was a restaurant that used to change his name every year, but he had the best stories of that place. He's, he's, yeah, he's funny. Oh my gosh, that's, we can go on for days. Yeah. But um, lastly, last this is my last question. When I heard a podcast you were talking about with the thing called Forty Twenty Vision, that's just something that I I was more like, wait, wait, what do you mean by that? It's like, okay, Mega Man's gonna be forty next year. Then I'm looking back on my twenties, like, why the fuck did I do that for? Yeah. And now you realize, you know. So of course, you know, Twenty Twenty Vision is known as like the perfect vision. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember when I turned forty. And I would literally do things, and as I did them, remember how I saw these things in my 20s. Mm-hmm. So I, for example, you know, would um, like go buy a 12 pack, and I would see buying beer and wondering, like, oh, when I was 20, if I bought this 12 pack, it would be this. But in my 40s, it's buying a 12 pack. This is a completely different thing. So, I just started calling it forty twenty vision because um you kind of like you have that you know you have that uh reference to look back and understand things different mm-hmm. yeah I mean I haven't thought about that concept in a while I don't know how long ago that podcast was but yeah forty twenty vision was um uh what I used to call it forty twenty mm-hmm. yeah uh, yeah that, I was like thinking like man that stuff and and there was also something i I can relate, you and I can relate. 
um, when you had your daughter young, I had my son young too, and we grew up together. And my son and my oldest son now, um, he has autism. So there was times where I grew up and you know and everything and and now he's gonna be nineteen. I'm like, oh my gosh, man! Like, can you like wish? Can you just wish you were a baby? Yeah. But yeah, then those I had to find myself because I. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father because my father was never around. Yeah. So I had to learn my own. So now that I'm 40, looking back. You guys are the No Father podcast. And all yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Alfred, too. Alfred? Oh, man. Yeah. I, that is something. But yeah. it's like, you know, we just make the best of it. You know, yeah, just, of course. You just got to break that cycle like you were talking about. Like, I broke a cycle of not drinking or if, if your daughter broke a cycle from, you know, not, you know, teen pregnancy and to me i just want to break that cycle for me where i want to show my kids love my dad didn't show me the love he's like hey can you get a hug and he's like what's this and i definitely i mean that's it's it's powerful just to be able to do that you know mm -hmm. and and it's it's you just got to take that and and Mm -hmm. go with it i mean i'm glad you see that oh yeah oh yeah i just want to be there like even though i work and do the unconditional love unconditional love very simple yeah, and I didn't know how to balance stuff out. Like, I'll be doing a podcast, my work, my family, but now I have everything together how I want it to be. Where we know when uh, Frank from No Father, the hardest working man in the podcast, that's how it is. Like, I told you, when I was been up since 10 p.m., I came all the way over here doing a podcast, gonna spend time with my kids, then do another podcast tonight, then go to sleep, then get up at five o'clock in the morning on Saturday, do another podcast at Inland Empire. It's I have to do whatever I can, yeah. you know. And I don't get paid for this, but I, I do this because I love it. Yeah. It's a passion. It's a hobby. Well, it's part of taking care of yourself too. Yeah, and it, and it keeps me very grounded. That's yeah. what I like and yeah. stuff. And plus, now I'm gonna start doing uh, what disc golf now because we didn't talk about disc golf. Because <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how long have you been doing disc golf? Well, I started because of uh, Renee, Renee, and another uh, photographer. Is it Renee so pushy? Come on, come on, come on! <laughs> he gets a little group together. He's good. He's good. I mean, if he didn't, nobody else would, you know, get his group together. But I'm um, really grateful for that guy, too. Mm-hmm. He's a, He's been a really good person in my life since I met him. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, a photographer, first took me out to, like, throw some discs around. And then um, then I ended up going with him and meeting Renee and all them and playing with the whole group. And, yeah. Uh, and it's just something that I like to do. I mean, I used to play regular golf a lot, and... I don't do that a lot anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have the time for it. I don't. I don't drive right now, so it's hard to get to a, a, a golf course, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. without a car. But um, yeah, disc golf has been the best thing because you do get a two and a half hour workout while you're, you know, throwing the discs around. If oh you, yeah. If you're playing somewhere that has actual mountains and hillsides, <sighs> like. You're gonna walk a lot. Oh you're yeah. Hike. You're gonna also socialize, which is good for the brain, and um, you're gonna get some fresh air, and you're gonna open up your lungs. It's just, it's just all around good. It's mm-hmm. good, and if you're competitive, it's even better because um, it's one of those games where yeah, you're challenging your friends, but you're also challenging yourself. Uh, your skill level. You're challenging your body. You're challenging your mind. You know. So. Um, yeah, people laugh at it when I talk. When I say oh, I'm gonna play disc golf, ha! <laughs> what the fuck? Mm-hmm. But it's actually really good for your body and your mind. Yeah, because when I start, uh, when I did the disc golf, 
I liked it and I and I tagged a lot of stuff and I got all these new disc golf followers and I see all this stuff. I was like, wow, like this guy threw a disc golf way out there and he got it in a hole in one. I was like, what the fuck, you know? Or like the range and stuff. I didn't know about that, the mids, the long range and stuff. We did one over in, is in Clover City at a park. And Renee was talking about you should go to the one by Dodger Stadium. That yeah. one. I don't know. He says it has a lot of hills. Yeah, I don't know a lot of hills. Like yeah. Chavez Ridge. Chavez Ridge? Chavez Ridge, if you lose a disc and it goes down a hillside, you're going to go hiking for a bit. Are <laughs> you serious? Climb all the way down and then climb all the way back oh up. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it's a, it's a tricky. But I love that's my favorite place to play. That's good. Because uh, it's a good challenge and um, it's a good hike. Yeah, I went to the one with Renee. And it's close to my house, too. Oh, yeah. So it's all three places. I'll check it out. I went to the one over there in Chino Hill, way out there by Inland Empire. Mm-hmm. And there's like a big old lake. So, But you have to, there's a lake, but the, the chain is way over there. So you have to do an angle. If not, it's going to go It's gonna go in the lake. <laughs> so I bet you there's like a whole bunch of disc golfs in the lake. And she was like, man. And I lost. I had three of them. I only had, by the time I lost two in the lake, I only had one left. And that was a long range. I was like, wow. Just go around or find the cheating spot to throw it. Yeah, but you can't go around it. You have to go through the lake. No, I mean, you're not playing for oh. money, so just be like, okay, I don't want to lose another disc. I'm just going to skip it. Yeah. Yeah, I just, yeah. Then I went to the one in, uh, I think it was in Long Beach by Studebaker. Okay. There's one over there, too. There's a oh, whole yeah, bunch. That one it's almost hit a car because there's one by the edge, by the, by the intersection. Yeah. And I was like, man, I almost hit a car. It's just, that's yeah. just how it is. But um, I just want to say, uh, Rafa, man, thank you for coming on the Mega Man's podcast. No worries, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Yeah, man. And now, anybody that wants to listen to me. Oh, but yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll go over here. <laughs> a Chinese theater right there across the street. Grateful you know? to your audience, too. Thank you for it. If you're still listening, like, thank you for sticking <laughs> in this long. Um, 2020 is going to be the 10-year anniversary of my 365-day shoot. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do another... 365 day photo shoot mm-hmm. um, and I hopefully I'll live through it <laughs> hopefully I'll make it because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a lot of work but mm-hmm. in, in 10 years I've uh, gotten a little older you know mm-hmm. um, and uh, hopefully I'll make it through this one too yeah. um, 365 days of photography is mm-hmm. uh, it's a mission and I want to get the, I don't know if you still have those books still I want, I want you to get a book yeah let's talk about that yeah, like yeah. after that. I, don't, I have a new book coming out. I have an old book mm-hmm. um, that's not available anymore, but um, the new book um, will be out in December. Hopefully, we're almost done with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And any plugs that, you know, you have the comedy coming up uh, yeah. probably like in a week and a half. Yeah. Follow um, La Cura Comedy Night on Instagram, L-A-C-U-R-A Comedy Night. La Cura means the cure. Mm-hmm. Comedy will cure you. Mm-hmm. Um, my website is uh, rafa.la, www.rafa.la, rfa.la. Yeah, and from there, if you want to hit me up, if you want to ask me questions, you can hit me up there. You can hit me up on Instagram at, at rafa.la too. Um, I'm, I'm really good at replying to people if you have mm-hmm. any questions. Mm-hmm. Um, I will have some workshops, hopefully in December, if you want to come in and talk photography. Um, I will have um, some dis- maybe like a panel discussion or workshop to talk about. Photography. I think I'm gonna go because uh, um, 
I want to I want to bring uh, my lady's brother because he's in photography, mm-hmm. so I want to go and I I want to next year when when uncle uh, income tax comes I want to get a want to get a camera. Thanks. So I want to I want to take photography when you know that's what you're talking about. How, how do you feel? You know I want to capture the moment. Like if I'm having a bad day, I'll capture that moment or a good day or or I'll take a lot of pictures because I I want to take a lot of pictures because my son's gonna grow up. By the time in two weeks he'll be 18 years old. So it's like I want to capture the moment before he turns 18. Every little moment, instead of having it on my phone, I want to have an album and stuff like that. Or and, phones are actually really good. Don't knock it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I want to have like portraits of like posters, you know, like of him and stuff. Because I didn't take that much pictures with my boys or my you know, my daughter here or there. But it's all on my other phone. But I want to save it and make a little albums and stuff like that. But again, Rafa, thank you for coming on. Uh, Mega Man. Mega Man. And subscribe to the Mega Man's podcast. Uh, please rate, review. Uh, just leave me some stars or leave a comment because I'm trying uh, to better the podcast for you guys and um, and try to get some new listeners. Uh, you can find my podcast on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and any other platform you can find it. And if you can't find it, just DM me at the Mega Man's podcast or my personal page at Mega Man. <laughs> Uh, six nine eight zero. Someone tell me what does six nine eight zero mean? June ninth, nineteen eighty. That's my birthday, guys. Not sixty nine, okay? And if people say, "Hey, why Mega Man?" That's my favorite video game, guys. Mega Man is by far one of the best Nintendo video games and stuff. And also, uh, again, Rafa, thank you for coming on. Thank you. We're out. We're out, guys. And also, shout outs to my son Alex right here, looking at <laughs> looking at the lions or looking at the people. And shout-outs to Gavin, my daughter Luna, Cynthia, uh, and everyone else. And uh, one more, one lastly, shout-outs to uh, Sergio's from Deuce Familli's podcast. And no father, no problem. All right then, guys. We're out. Late.